right, Mark chapter number 11, and we're down at verse 27 here this evening. And uh, we're going to pick up here in the text, verse 27. And they came again to Jerusalem, and as he was walking in the temple, there came to him the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. And again, he's back now in the temple. He, his routine, we're again a week out roughly uh, before, uh, Cal, before the cross, before him going to Calvary. And his routine at this time, he's come in, he's presented himself, he's rode in on the donkey and so forth, he's done everything, he's cleansed the temple, kicked that out. But now his routine, during the day he's in Jerusalem, he's in the temple teaching. At night he leaves and goes to Bethany, goes out to Bethany. And then he comes back into the temple, the city the next day, teaches and so forth. So he goes right into the midst of those who hate him. They don't like him. They're, they're after him. They're, they're going to try to catch him. They're trying to, to, to get... Uh, they're trying to get cause to kill him. And eventually they do that. So Mark is going to show us several, he's going to show us a series of events here where he is right in the midst of his enemies. And he's going to do some things. You'll notice in verse 27, And they came again to Jerusalem, and as he was walking in the temple, there came to him the chief priest and the scribes and the elders. Here are the, the leaders of Israel. Israel is a theocracy. Therefore, their religion, the leaders in their religion, is who runs the nation. That's what they are. Now, they're going to ask him a question, verse 28, and say unto him, By what authority dost thou these things, and who gave thee this authority to do these things? And that is the question of religion. Who gave you the right to do what you just did? Which what did he just do in the temple? He just threw out the he just cleansed cleaned them up, okay? And who gave you the right to do that? We didn't. So who who gave you that right? And again, they're mad at him. They're challenging him. If you come over to chapter 12, chapter 12 verse 12. And they sought to lay hold on him, but feared the people, for they knew that he had spoken the parable against them, and they left and went their ways. Notice, they, they, after the, so they asked the authority question, he answers them, and he answers them with a parable. He gets done with the parable, and what do they want to do with him? They want to nail him, but they know they can't because of the people. Verse 13, 12, 13 and they send unto him certain of the Pharisees and of the Herodians to catch him in his words. Now, think about, think, think about the groups of people here. The chief priests, the scribes, the elders, the religious leaders in the nation. Okay, the scribes. They're the Bible guys. All right, the elders, the rulers, and so forth. Now, he sends the Pharisees show up. Now, the Pharisees are the right-wing fundamentalist, okay? They, they, you know, that's when Paul says, I was, uh, I was a Pharisee. <laughs> a Pharisee, you put a $100 bill on the table, Paul would take it and be gone with it. A Pharisee would leave it, would not, never touch it. He may even add to it, okay? He, they know the law. They know the law down to the, to the penny, to the, the jot and the tittle, if you will. That's the, the right-wing fundamentalist. But the Herodians, you see the name Herod in there? The Herodians, they were a sect of the Jews who had joined themselves to the Roman government. Okay? And they're, in the, they're, they're Jews, but they've joined themselves to the Roman government, so they're in the midst of the leadership doing the bidding of Rome, if you will. But they're, they're still Jews. Now, think about this. The Pharisees, the right-wing fundamentalist group, normally do not like the Herodians. But what are they doing now? They're together. They're cohorting. You know, the enemy of my enemies is my, my friend. <laughs> See, what are they? They've joined forces here. So you have, you have something that's an oddity happening here. 
uh, they would normally be at odds with the Herodians, but here they're not. Come down to verse 18, 12, 18. And then came unto him the Sadducees, which say there is no resurrection, and they ask him, saying. Now notice the Sadducees. The Sadducees are the left-wing liberal. By the way, you know how, you know, you know, how the, you know that they're sad? You know how you define Sadducees? They don't believe in a resurrection. They don't believe in miracles. They don't believe in angels. So they're sad, you see. Okay? So they will quote the Bible. They're going to use the they're going to they're going to actually verse 19, Master Moses wrote, they're going to quote Moses. They don't even believe Moses. They don't they're going to quote him. See? The Sadducees here, they're going to come after him and again, what are they doing? No resurrection. They don't believe in uh, no the miracles or supernatural events or angels and stuff like that. They're going to quote the Old Testament. They don't even believe the Old Testament. So you've got the right wing, you, you got the, the, leaders, the leaders, the chief priests and the elders and the scribes. Then you've got the right wing fundamentalists. Then you've got a cohort of the Jews and, and, that are in co, uh, collusion with the Roman government. Now you've got the left wingers, liberal, liberal, liberals after them. You've got a mess here. You've got all of this going on. Verse 28, and one of the scribes came. And having heard them reasoning together and perceived that he had answered them, how? Well, see, they're asking him questions. They're questioning him. And he's answering them well. Ask him which is the first commandment of all. Apparently, this gentleman, this scribe, has, has somewhat of a heart here because of what he asked. Now, he's... He, he's not any better than the rest of them, but at least there's an indication here. If you look down at verse 34, and when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, he said unto him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. And no man after that durst ask him any questions. Notice when this guy, he had more of a heart here. To know, he wanted to know something. In other words, the other guys are trying to catch him in his words and trying to trip him up and to try to build the case against him. And yet, he's still caught up in the religious activity. And the Lord says, you're, you're not too far off. You're almost there. Keep at it. But notice the end of this verse. And no man after that durst ask him any questions. He they had been after him, trying to catch him. They've been trying to make a case against him. They've questioned his authority. They've questioned his loyalty to the nation. The whole purpose to catch him. And at the end, he had answered them so well that they're, ba they're done. There's no more. It all basically backfired on him. He got them. Now, come over to Matthew, hold on to Mark 12, Matthew 22, and watch how Matthew says this. Uh, as, again, Matthew presents the Lord as king uh, and so forth, and Matthew 22, 46. And no man was able to ask him a word, neither does any man from that day forth ask him any more questions. He nailed them right on. So guess what? Every time they ask a question, he answered them. And actually, what we're going to see is he's going to ask them a question that they can't answer. Okay, we'll see that here in just a minute. Back up, if you will, to verse 41. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them. He, he asked them one question. They couldn't answer him. So he shut them up with one question. They've been asking him questions. You go back there to Mark 12, actually Mark 11, where we're supposed to be. They've, a they've asked him question after question, and he's answered, he's answered, and he says, okay, guys, I have a question of you. And he asked one, and they couldn't answer. And actually we'll see in Mark as we go through here, they kind of, we got to cover our bases here because if we say heaven, he's going to say, why didn't you believe? 
And if we say man, then the people are going to hate us because they know he's, a, he's God. <laughs> so we don't know. We just can't, re, just can't come to a definable answer. And again, religion gets it. So Mark here, now come back here to Mark 11. Again, you just got to catch, he's been, he, they're mad at him. That's why they ask the questions. He answers them clearly, and yet he just keeps poking them. He just keeps needling them. They get mad, and by the time of Thursday comes, they are so bloodthirsty to kill him that they would have no one but Barabbas. We won't, Caesar's our king. You think about that when they say uh, Caesar, uh, no one but Caesar. They literally have given up the, their, claim, their rightful claim to running the kingdom, to running the nation. They just took the nation and gave it to Caesar and said, Caesar's our guy. Now, that's what the apostates did. I mean, you think about the ramifications of what they're, where they're headed. It started here. Now, look at 1127. And they came, uh, Mark 11, and they come again to Jerusalem, and as he was walking in the temple, there came to him chief priests and the scribes and the elders, and said unto him, By what authority dost thou these things? And who gave thee this authority to do these things? So they're going to question his authority. And again, that is exactly what religion always does. Who gave you the right to do that? The thing in religion is the thing of power and the thing of, of authority. By the way, the politicians are the same. So what is man after? Just in general, power and authority. But think about what he just did. Go back up to verse 15. And they came, and they come to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. So he cleans up the commercial corruption. Verse 16, and would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. So he not only gets rid of the commercial corruption, he stops all priestly activity. When they're carrying any vessel through the temple, what did that priest do? Goes over, cuts the animal, gets the blood, comes over here, puts the blood on the altar, comes over here, takes the animal, puts it on this altar, clean. All of that activity... He stopped. He stops the vain religious system. He had just cursed the fig tree. When we looked at the fig tree, the picture of Israel's religion, what are they doing? That mosaic stuff is dead. It's time for the blood of the New Testament to be shed and the new covenant established. What did he just do in the in picture? Verse 17, and he taught saying unto them, is it not written? I love that. Is it not written? Don't you guys, you guys should know the scriptures. He's going to ask them in a minute here. Have you not read? You know, have you not read society? All right. And he taught saying unto them, verse 17, is, not, is it not written? My house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of Let's get back to the book, guys. And the scribes and the chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him. You see, they understood what he did, but they didn't, they're, they're mad at him. For they feared him, verse 18, because all the people were astonished at his doctrine. It's very impressive that he had doctrine. When you hear most preachers today, they don't have doctrine. They have stories and everything else and no doctrine. He has doctrine. And that's what's caught on here. Now, th they are mad at him. Now, this is the end of his ministry. Come over with me to John chapter 2. John 2. Because you have to remember this thing about the cleansing the temple. He does it two times. One at the beginning and then here at the end. But the one that he does at the beginning, look, notice this, 2.13. And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting. 
And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money over the tables and said unto them that sold doves, Take these hence, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. And the disciples remembered that it is written, Psalm 69, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Now, we're at the beginning. Now, by the way, notice at the beginning of his ministry, that's where we are in John 2, he doesn't stop the priestly activity. He just cleans up the commercial corruption. Why? Because he's got three years he's going to minister, and maybe we can clean the, the, the religious corruption up. Okay? At the end, what's he do? He drives them out, and he stops all of it. Well, it's time for what? It's time for Calvary, the shedding of the blood of the new covenant. It's That old is going away so that the, the, the first is fading away so that the second can be established, Hebrews 8. Now, but notice the temple, verse uh, 16 there, where he says, Not my father's house, a house of merchandise, Verse 17, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. The, the Lord's zeal was for the Father's house. And what's going on in there? Vain religious system? Going to get rid of it all. Verse 18, then answered the Jews and said unto him, Thank you, we love you for this wonderful, glad you came and did this. No. What sign showest thou unto us, seeing that thou dost these things? Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will rise it up. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in building, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of what? His body. Now, watch this now. You see, they, when he makes that thing about in three, the temple destroyed, and I'll rise it in three days, they're thinking about what? The physical temple. They're missing him and what he's talking what's he talking about he's talking about his death burial and resurrection see they're missing that now we're at the beginning of his ministry now come to Matthew 26 Matthew 26 Matthew 26 we're in the night before he dies Matthew 26 and verse 50 well 57 and they that had laid hold on Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. So we're up in Caiaphas's house. 59. Now the chief priests and the elders and all the councils sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death. So what are they trying to do? Night before he died, they're, they're, they're doing the trial under the cover of night, which was a no-no. They're bringing in false witnesses, which was a no-no. Okay, verse 61, and said, this fellow said, now look, now watch what this guy says. I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. For three and a half years, what he did in John 2 has been eaten at him. Because what did he do in John 2? He cleaned the temple out, and he said what? You, first of all, they lie of what he really said. If you go back there to John 2, what did he really say? Uh, you know, John 2, he says, destroy this temple, not the temple of God, see? And, I, and in three days I will rise it up. But what was he talking about? Himself. So they lie. It's not, real, it's not what he said. So we have fake news. Okay, that's what we got. Fake information here, bad information. Verse 61, the temple of God and to build it in three days. And the high priest arose, verse 62, and said unto him, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which thou witness? Uh, what is it which these witness against thee? But Jesus held his peace. And the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tell us whether thou be Christ, the Son of God. He holds his peace to cause him to cause the guy to, act, to say this. Okay? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast said. The accusation of, about the temple, it's been going on since 
the beginning of his earthly ministry. That's my point. It's been eaten at him this whole time. So here we're at the end, Mark 11, and what has he done? Did it again. I mean, it's just putting him over the edge. By the way, if you come over to chapter 27, 2735, and they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots. So we're at the cross, verse 39. And they that passed by reviled him, I love this, wagging their heads. Look, you know, the old finger wag. And saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself, if thou be the Son of God, come down. Notice how they brought up, they didn't bring up the second cleaning, they bring up what? The very the first one. It's, it's got them so riled up, they are so furious about his attack on, come back to Mark 11, their religious organization that it lasts the whole time. <laughs> they just can't get over it. It's just, it's like that burr under the saddle type of thing, you know. Uh, we, I went hiking a couple weeks ago before I got sick, so actually a month ago now, and I got a rock in my shoe, and I could feel it, and I'm like, I'm not stopping, because I'm, I'm on a hill that's kind of like straight up, I'm like, I'm not, I'll stop at the top. So I get at the top. Well, by then, it's moved over off from underneath my heel. So I'm like, yeah, I'll just keep going. So I get to the top. I'm on my way down, and guess what? It slipped right back. I'm like, all right, at the truck. So I get back to the truck, take my shoe off, dump it all out. But you know what it did? It, irrit it was irritable. It irritated me the whole time. You know, one, I knew it was there, too. The That's what's happening here with these guys. So when you come back here to Mark 11, verse 28, and they say unto him, By what authority dost thou these things? Who gave you the right? I mean, they are mad at him. Whose authority? And again, that is the question of religion. And it's always about authority. Who gave you the right to do this? You didn't even go to the right school. You didn't come out of the right organization. We didn't tell you you could do that. So who told you? Well, who told him? The Father did. <laughs> the Word of God did. See? See, religion, you guys, did you guys, you guys remember maybe a year ago or so, the Catholic priest that wasn't baptizing everybody the right way, and they were trying to figure out how to fix all, okay? Because he's, it's, so the prescribed order is, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and so forth, and he would say, we. So what did he do? He got out of line. So and he was it was brought to revelation because there was another priest in another state who this guy had baptized and he got to looking at it going, "Wait a minute. I didn't say the right words as a child. So then I'm not in cuz in their system that's how you get in." Okay? So they did all that and they were actually petitioning the pope to to do an abracadabra, zim, zoom, bam, to get them all good to go. I don't know whatever happened to it. I don't remember. I never remember hearing. But what does religion do? Here's the this exactness. And if you get out of whack, remember Leviticus 10, Aaron and his four boys, and they're setting up the order of the temple and everything, and they're not to offer the strange fire. And the first day on the job, what did Nadab and Abihu do? They get the Bic lighter out rather than the fire from God. And what happened? <laughs> Dead. I mean, could you imagine being the two brothers going, I'm done. I quit. Here's my resignation. I ain't going. Because you couldn't do it. You can't do this. See? I don't know if you've ever gone back in Leviticus 10 or back there in Deuteronomy and read some of what they're supposed to do. And, you, and it's like, how in the world? What does that even look like? The guy in Kentucky he uh, built that ark, the ark experience and all that. I'm sitting there going, I, I've never seen it. I've just seen pictures. I'm like, holy cow, how, that is the most monstrous thing there is, you know. But when you get into there, it's like, all right, how did that go? You know, uh, Moses lays out the, uh, the stuff about building the temple and everything, and it's all done off-site and then brought in, and it fit perfectly. 
You know, and everybody goes, oh, see, the, you know. Well, <clears throat> the verses say that the Holy Spirit was on the carpenter guys over here doing it. And when all that was done, the Holy Spirit left. So it was done perfectly, and it would fit perfectly. I don't want to get off all that. Mark 11. Get back in here what we're doing. But the problem is, is what does religion say? Who gave you the authority to do it? You're not doing, what you just did isn't how the book says it's to be done. And you get all cattywampus. So the authority, who's, who, who gave you the power to do that? By the way, they ask Peter that. They ask Paul that. The wonderful thing, we had some, uh, some folks here, and the question would come up from every now and then of, how do you know you're right? Well, when the devils look at you and go, the Lord I know and Paul I know and who are you, then I would think we're on this. We're we're okay, you know. When the adversary shifts gears from the Lord to Peter and the little flock, and then to Paul and the church, I think we're 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 in good company. But that's the question: Who gave you? We're the ones to give that authority out, and we didn't give it to you. So now watch verse twenty nine, eleven twenty nine. Watch his answer. And Jesus answered and said unto them, I will also ask of you one question, and answer me. And I will tell you by what authority I do these things. All right, I got a question. You're never supposed to answer a question with a question, but the Lord's the Lord, so we'll let him do it. Okay. Well, he says, all right, I'll tell you by whose authority, but you've got to answer my question. Verse 30, the baptism of John. Was it from heaven or of men? Answer me. Man, that is, that's a question to go, huh? If you're a religious zealot. In Romans, Paul says, they have a zeal of the law, but not according to knowledge. See, they had a zeal for it. Man, why? It was the do's and the don'ts. We were talking Sunday in Romans 14 about the weaker brother the weaker believer and we're talking about it monday night with the with the cousins and the the young folks and one of those things about the weak is is that they fear liberty so they say give me the do's and the don'ts legalism rather than coming over and learning how to take our liberty that we have in christ and apply it to the details of life you know heaven or man verse 31 and they reasoned with themselves, saying, If we shall say from heaven, he will say, Why then did ye not believe him? Well, that's the question. If you say he's from God the Father, which is where John the Baptism, what, Baptist was from, and the baptism of John was sent by the Father to do to identify, that's what baptism is in scriptures, identification, identify the Lord Jesus Christ, make him manifest to the little flock. Here he is, here's your Messiah. Well, if we say he's of heaven, what's he, what's he going to say? Well, then why didn't you believe him? But if we shall say of men, they feared the people, for all the men counted John that he was a prophet indeed. Isn't that interesting? So if we say this, then this is going to happen. And if we say this, this is going to happen. And they answered and said unto Jesus, We cannot tell. Dearly beloved, we just can't tell. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Neither do I tell you by what authority I do these things. <laughs> I mean, he's just sticking them. He's poking them. He's prodding them. But what's crazy here is their reaction is what religion does. They're being dishonest. They know it was of God. They know it was of heaven. But they, if we say this, then he's going to, Why didn't you believe him? Well, if we say he's of men, then we got to worry about the people, and this guy's going to be gone, and they're going to be here forever. And what is it? Uh, you know? What an answer. Phony. Colossians 2 calls it a voluntary humility. It's phony humility. Being, having humility is a good thing, but phony humility is, is a bad thing. Come over to Matthew 17. Matthew 17. Here's the prop. By the way, in, in Mark 11 there, 
It says, they reasoned with themselves. Look at Matthew 17. Here's a clear conscience answer. Here's what their answer should have been. Matthew 17, look at verse 24. And when they were come to Capernaum, they that received tribute money came to Peter, by the way, and, and said, Does not your master pay tribute? The paying of taxes and the issue of authority are the two great arguments that they attack the Lord on. Okay, by whose authority? And then are you not paying your taxes, therefore are you causing an insurrection? Because an insurrection with Rome was you're dead. They're killing you. It was, you know, you didn't get a trial. We have it. You're done. You're done. Okay. He said yes. So Peter answers correctly. And when he was coming to the house, Jesus pre prevented him, saying, What thinkest thou, Simon? Now watch this. Of whom do the kings of the earth take custom of tri or tribute? Of their own children or of strangers? So who do they tax, Pete? You answered correctly, but who do, the, who do you think they tax? And Peter reasoned with himself and others, trying to figure out a way to answer. No. Peter saith unto him, of strangers. Clear, cut, simple answer. You see, what they should have answered, they shouldn't have reasoned with themselves. What should they have answered? Heaven. That's where he came from. By the way, the Lord says, Jesus saith unto him, Then are the children free, notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, go thou to the sea, cast the hook, take up the fish that first cometh up, and when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money that, that take and give unto them for me and thee. I know people who go out fishing looking for the money in the fish's mouth to pay the bills. That's what I'm asking. Where had they get stocked? <laughs> which which lake are they in? You know, and because what do they? They pull this out. They don't apply right division, dispensational Bible study, and off they go. Now come back to, uh, I mean that's a come over to Daniel, Daniel three. Look, so their answer was one of how do we get a, how do we get around this? We ask him a question. Who gave you the authority to do this? He said, you tell me about this, and I'll answer you. They didn't, so then he doesn't. He's just nailing them. Just Daniel 3. Daniel 3, uh, verse uh, 16. Uh, the, the, the three buddies of Daniel here. Okay, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king. So, uh, the king's got the image up. You've got to bow down to the image. If you don't, you get thrown in the fiery furnace. Okay? They don't. Verse 14, uh, Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it is true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up. Middle of verse 15, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made. Verse 16, they're going to answer him, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of the hand, uh, uh, I'm sorry, out of thine hand, O king. But if not, notice that answer. We're not bowing down because we don't serve you, we serve God. And God will take care of us. But if he doesn't, man, what faith is that? Keep, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. We know that God will protect us. We believe he said he will protect us. We believe it. We're not bowing down. But you know what? If he doesn't and we perish, we're still not bowing down. We're still obeying the word of God. Man, what? That's just... That's great faith. Now, come back to Mark 11, and they don't say that. They reason. They, 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 don't, they reasoned amongst themselves. So, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> he just, boom, nails them. Chapter 12, verse 1. And he began to speak unto them by parables. Now, he's going to, He's going to talk, tell them a parable here. Now, he just told them, 
I'll answer you, you answer me. They don't, boom, I'm not going to tell you. But I got a parable. Now, again, you have to remember the parable. What does religion say? Jesus Christ was the greatest storyteller ever. He used parables so that everybody could understand. Well, Mark 4 and Matthew 13, we've already studied it, says, nope, that's not what, why the Lord talked in parables. He taught in parables so that the apostate Israel would not get it, the unbelieving remnant wouldn't, uh, element wouldn't get it, and that the believing remnant, the little flock, would get it and would understand what he's talking about. So he began to speak unto them by parables. A certain man planted a vineyard and set a hedge about it and digged a place for the wine fat and built a tower and let it out to the husbandmen and went into a far country. He's talking to that unbelieving leaders. He speaks to them in parables. They're all standing there, and they all understand what he's talking and saying here. How do you know that? Isaiah 5. Come over to Isaiah 5. He's not talking in a parable to keep something away from these guys here. They're actually going to understand this because... He's going to use a classic Old Testament reference that they all understood what he's talking about. Isaiah 5, verse 1. Now will I sing to my well-beloved the song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard and a very fruitful hill. And a very fruitful hill. Now I remember the song. Anyway. And he fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with the choicest vine and built a tower in the midst of it and also made a wine press therein, and he looked that it should bring forth grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. All of the elements that he says to him in Mark 12 are right there out of Isaiah 5. Think about that. He's, and by the way, the problem with Israel was the wild grape aspect. He had planted them. In the promised land, he'd gone in, he cleared it all out. He cleared out all the nations that weren't supposed to be there. He put a hedge around them. He put up a wall of partition around them. He made them his special people. He gave them every advantage. You can come back to Mark 12. He put a, he put, when it says there in verse 1, a place for the wine fat, he put a place for the blessings to be there. It was all done. It was already there. It's all ready. All they got to do is move in. And then what is he going to do? He's going to let it out. He put some people in charge of it to take care of it. And then he went away. Now, this fifth course of judgment, Leviticus 26, is where we're at. And he leaves it in the hands of the leaders of Israel to be the husbandry, to cultivate it, to bring it to fruition. But instead of doing that, Mark 12, verse 2, and at the season, and again, that's the season for fruit, he sent the husbandman a servant that he might receive from the husbandman the fruit of the vineyard. So he sends, he's going to start sending some people to check, really to check out the fruit. It should be good grapes. Isaiah 5, it was what? Wild grapes. It should be good the fruits of righteousness, the fruits of repentance, the fruits of the kingdom. It's where it should be. But it's not. It's something else. And they caught him and beat him and sent him away empty. And again, he sent unto them another servant. And at him, they cast stones and wounded him in the head and sent him away shamefully handled. And again, he sent another and him they killed, and many others beating some and killing some. I mean, he's constantly checking in on, and they're, what are they killing? They're killing the prophets. They're killing them. Verse 6, having yet therefore one son, his well-beloved. That'll be a reference to Genesis 22 with Abraham and Isaac up on the hill, and his only son. These guys know this. This is, none of this is foreign to them. They know their history. And what do they do? He sent him also last unto them, saying, They will reverence my son. He's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. But those husbandmen said amongst themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, 
and the, inherit, and the inheritance shall be ours. What'd they do? Let's kill him and take it for ourselves. With violence, they take the kingdom. He's already told them. Fulfillment here. That's where we're at. Verse 8, and they took him and killed him and cast him out of the vineyard. Again, reference to the moment where we're at here in Mark. In the life of the earthly ministry of Christ, where are we at? We're at this moment. We're gonna, they're going to go take him, and they're going to kill him. Now, come over to Matthew 23 and watch Matthew. Same, same information. Actually, more information. Same event, spoken a little, a little different. Matthew 23, 31. Matthew 23, 31. Now, he just has done, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites. He's, by the way, a woe in the Bible. You know what, uh, you know what is, Isaiah's horse's name was? Woe is me. <laughs> that was the name of his horse, all right? Uh, come on. Woe is me. Thank you. At least I got a smile. Okay. All right. I got to keep the kids in line over here, you know. Got to keep them on their toes. All right. No. This, so this isn't a good thing. Uh, look at verse 31. Wherefore, ye be witness unto yourselves that ye are the children of them which killed the prophets. Fill ye up then the measure of your fathers. You guys, he, again, <laughs> you're the children of the one, you're the lineage, the, gener, the line of, demarc- of the guys that have been killing all of them. Ye fill up, verse 32, then the measure of your fathers, ye serpents, ye generation of vipers. How can you escape the damnation of hell? John 8, what does he say? You're of your father, the devil. That's who they are. Verse 34. Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them shall ye scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Berechias, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. The blood of Abel, that's Genesis 4. The blood of Zacharias is 2 Chronicles. In the Hebrew Bible, the beginning, the first book is Genesis. The last book is 2 Chronicles. Now, they have the same books we have, just in different orders. So it would be like us saying, from Genesis to Revelation, you got it. It's all on them. Here they are. All that blood is right on them. Okay? So when you come back to Mark 12... Verse 9, what shall therefore, notice the question here. So he's laid out some, some history on them. They get this. They, they're not sitting there going, who's he talking about? They ain't saying that at all. They got it. Verse 9, watch the question. What shall therefore the Lord of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the husbandman, and will give the vineyard unto others. You can't get any clearer than that. What's he going to do? He's going to destroy the one and give it to another. Matthew, Hold on here, Matthew 21. I know we were just over there. Matthew 21, and look, if you will, at verse 43. Matthew 21 and Luke 12. But we'll get Matthew 21 first. Matthew 21, 43. Therefore, say I unto you, and the you here are the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the chief priests and the elders, back in verse 30, uh, actually back in verse 23, where they question his authority, which is where we're at in Mark 11. Okay? Therefore, I say unto you, the leadership, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to an, a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. They understand he's going to be. He's talking about them. What's he going to do? He's going to take that nation. And he's going to take it from the apostate Israel, and he's going to give it to the little flock, to the king, to the nation that's bringing forth 
the fruits thereof. Now, this is the very verse that a majority of Christendom used to say that God is finished with Israel and is taking the kingdom and all the blessings and giving it to the Gentiles, and it started in Acts 2. That the nation of Israel gets the curses, and the Gentiles, the body of Christ, the church, get the blessings. And the Gentiles are replacing Israel. So you get replacement theology. 97% of Christianity believe that stand on that and what they do is they miss that little word in that verse they miss the a a nation you're a gentile you're of the nations plural this is a nation singular okay a nation what one nation He's going to take the kingdom from that apostate nation and he's going to give it to a nation, one nation. What nation is that? It's the one bringing forth the fruit. Who is that? Luke 12, Luke 12, 31, Luke 12, 31. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock. For it is, your fa- it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's clear. What's he going to do? He's going to take the nation. Come back to Mark 12. He's going to take the nation, the kingdom, away from that apostate, vain, religious setup. And he's going to give it to the little flock who are bringing the, for, for the fruits of repentance, who are doing the fruits of the kingdom, who are doing every, what they're supposed to be doing all along. And he calls them the little flock because that's what Jeremiah calls them. That's what Ezekiel calls them, his flock. But he calls them that little flock. Moses calls them the believing remnant. He calls them the foolish nation. And he's going to get them. Now, go back there to Mark 12. Um, I don't know if you still have Matthew 21, but this one goes with it. If you look at Matthew 21, verse 45, And when the chief priests and Pharisees heard his parable, they perceived that he spake of them. Mark 12, verse 10. And have ye not read this scripture? I love that. The Have You Not Read Society. <laughs> That's what I got written by it. The stone which the builders rejected is become the head of the corner. He quotes Psalms 118, 22 and 23. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. He's talking about himself. You rejected me, and God's going to take me, and he's going to make me the head of the whole thing. And then he's going to take that group of believing Jews, the believing remnant, the little flock, the ones that hear the shepherd's voice and follow, and he's going to put them in the the authority of that kingdom. The 12, sitting on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes, David as king, it's all going to be set there. Okay. Now watch verse 12. And they sought to lay hold on him, but feared the people, for they knew that he had spoken the parable against them. And they left him and went their way. They, by the way, they fear the people. Why? That's where they get their power from. It's where they get their authority from. I was listening to one of the guys today, one of the politicians today, and they're talking about uh, what's in front of Congress right now, the government shutdown and all the spending and everything. And, and he's, uh, he got, this was a Republican, so he got reelected into the House, and he's sitting there saying, 
listen, why are we cramming this in before Christmas? Because in January, the people spoke in the election, but if they get this done now, then all that spending that we're trying to stop and slow down is just going to go. You know who they fear? They fear the people. Because what do they know? In the election in November, the people made a mandate of no more spending. So what is Congress doing? Let's get it going before, because we're, we, you know, they'll sell out. Yeah, of course, because they're looking for what? Power. That's what these guys are doing. Three days later, you know what they do to him? They kill him. Now, verse 13, okay, so verse 12, they go their way. Verse 13, and they send unto him certain of the Pharisees and of the Herodians to catch him. They're not done with him. He's just shut down the chief priests, elders, and scribes, the head guys. Well, let's send in the lackeys. Pharisees and Herodians and the Sadducees go in, the Sanhedrin makeup. But they kill him because he went right at the issue, which is who's in charge. They think they are. And ultimately, he will be. He is. So they go after him. Okay? So we're, we're a lot of events here with Mark. He kind of slows down a little bit in his hurry to get done. <laughs> Immediately. Boom. And then, so we're right on the precipice of Calvary, and they're laying that groundwork of get me. Okay? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the evening. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the, look in, the ability to look into the scriptures, see what the Lord is doing in his moment, and rejoice in the fact that in the end he does rule the day. For your honor and for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen.